Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 5-10-2023, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we have this evening. Uh, we pray for life, health, and strength, and, and we thank you that you gathered us together so that we can uh, lift up your word. Father, we have uh, several on our prayer list, and uh, it is the Haddon family. Uh, we've gotten some updates, <clears throat> so Father, we're praying for, for them. We're praying also for uh, Miss Julie, which is Cliff's mother, praying, praying for her. Father, you know what the details are. Praying for the uh, Mike Presley and family, and all of, uh, Lord, you know the details there as well. And we're lifting them all up and asking for prayer. Also for Fred and Brenda who, um, again, Father, you know the details that are, are there. So, Father, we, we ask for healing in, in their case or well-being or just comfort them, Father. Uh, we, we thank you for your grace and your provisions for us in this world, and we pray that uh, as we continue to navigate through this world that you will provide for us and whatever whatever we need so that we can continue our focus on your word. So, Father, we begin our study. We pray that you will give us the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So, as you know, <clears throat> we're studying in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 12. We happen to be in chapter 12 and in verse 6. And we're going to get to that just by way. Uh, I just wanted to mention the website has been available. It's updated. It is uh, wordistruth.com. And Dwight has been updating the SoundCloud, which is another easy way to listen to some of the previous messages and uh, so when you have a chance take a look at soundcloud it should be pretty up to date if not we still have the archives available that's wordistruth.com but we're going to get, get right into romans 12 6 and hopefully there may be a little time left for some q a we'll see how it goes romans 12 6 reads we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. While this may be seen to be a functional verse, it is also one of confirmation. Verses like this confirm that we are on the right path as far as interpretation. Not only that, but we now have the encouragement to stay the course. We are all special in God's sight, and none are ignored or neglected. Whatever grace in the form of gifts bestowed upon us, we are responsible to God for their proper use. We will, will we 
allow God to use us in this world? That's a question. Will we allow God to use us in this world? That is uh, the purpose of God giving us special enablement to be able to, to serve or, or have the manifestation of the Spirit. So we'll, we'll get into it. We've been into it. And um, this is quite an interesting subject, I think, because it, it doesn't just involve uh, us passively listening. You have a spiritual gift. Every one of us, each one of us has a spiritual gift from God. It is interesting to note what God says about that spiritual gift and how it's, how it's used. So that's why I'd say it's certainly, or all of it's relevant, but boy, we turn the corner and realize that, okay, now you're talking about me now. All right, so let's look at, let's dig into the notes. We've got quite a few of them tonight. Point number one, we have different gifts. While everyone acknowledges this because it is stated in scripture, it is not easily identified on the ground. And the reason I think this, you know, everybody can read the Bible and say, oh yeah, there's spiritual gifts. Instead of uh, following the prescription for how those spiritual gifts are real, uh, realized and utilized, what many people do is just pick a spiritual gift that they feel they would like to have. And then they try to form fit whatever skills and talents they have into what that gift is delivers. But we've learned that is not the case. God does not send children out to battle. And when I say it's not easily identified on the ground, I think we've gone through the church many generations of, if you neglect the Father's plan, then how would you properly know your role or place in in that plan while here in the world. You wouldn't, is the thought. So for many generations of the church, I think there has been ignorance regarding the Father's plan. And it's not just ignorance, it's willful ignorance, which means rejection of the spirit of truth. Why isn't the church talking about these things that are important to God? Why are they not focused on this new age and all of the benefits and uh, the position that God has raised us to, the fact that we're a new creation. And just as I mentioned in the prayer, why aren't they not focused on the wisdom that is destined for our glory before time began? This is not a passing thought that you can have and or some subject that you can take off the shelf and then put it back when it's convenient. This is our whole life. This is why we're here. So that's the thought. Um, so people will acknowledge the spiritual gifts. Sure, they have them, but they can't identify them and they're left in ign willful ignorance because God has a plan for us to understand our spiritual gifts. But if we refuse that, well, we certainly will be uh, remain, let's say, childish. Point B, 
the diminishing or glorifying of certain gifts led the Corinthians astray. What suffered? And the answer is their witness to the Father's eternal purpose. So God has the church in the world in the in the world for a particular purpose. And as we come to to realize what that purpose is, we now understand what our place is, where we fit in. But if we don't understand that eternal purpose, we can't be witnesses to God. Just like it says to even to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. This is Ephesians 3, 9 and 10 or so. 11. Ephesians 3, 11. So we can't be that witness. The Corinthians were certainly not the witness. In fact, if you look at the scriptures, the New Testament scriptures as a whole, you will find that the Corinthians were chided by the apostle, were rebuked by the apostle, probably more than any other church. I'd say, I'd say uh, the second, only second to them would be the Galatians. But uh, it, it, it was, they were a tough bunch. And they refused to allow God to, to work in them. And this is, <clears throat> they, not only were they tough in the sense of they, didn't, they refused to let God work in them. Some of the things they were involved in got to be pretty tough. Uh, and we have it all, not all of it, but a lot of it detailed for us in Scripture, which is to say, God wants us to be admonished and aware of what um, our role is and what not to do. Not just what to do, but what not to do. So the diminishing or glorifying of certain gifts led them astray. And that's what they did. They built up certain gifts and thought they were something. And other gifts they said, ah, minuscule, not, a, not important. So point number C Here's a quote from 1 Corinthians 12, 26 and 27. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So notice, in the early church, the Corinthians suffered. They, they were suffering ignorance of the plan of God and ignorance of not only spiritual gifts, but how those spiritual gifts should be utilized. And so just because they were suffering, the whole body was suffering. In fact, when we look at, when the world looks at Christians today, they look at us from all of the dysfunction that is in the church. Uh, they don't cite or quote from people who understand the Father's plan and know. They're quoting and citing people who are way left or way right of what they should be thinking. And this, so again, if one part suffers, we all suffer. And the fact that some are not growing in grace affects all of us. So we, we I would say that the church should not be judged by children in the church but that is inevitably what happens. They suffer, poor witness for the Father's eternal purpose, and guess what? We also suffer in the world as a result of their ignorance. Point D. The Corinthians were rebuked for their misuse of spiritual gifts. 
if you look in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, chapters 12 through 14, they were rebuked. This is now, you know, it's interesting how even though there was a rebuke, uh, there are many who are still involved in these type of things today. And they don't see 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 as a rebuke, even though it is a strong rebuke and it's in the word of God. So um, we're not going to go through the whole 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, but you could read it and you could see that it is obviously a misuse of spiritual gifts. It was confusion in the church. Today, many are following these childish footsteps and therefore stand rebuked. Yeah, they Not only were the Corinthians rebuked, but people following in their footsteps should also be rebuked. The behavior that is going on today has been uh, atrocious when it comes to their... I hear it. So, so they, obviously they're talking about speaking in tongues. Well, speaking in tongues is no longer going on. It is a false trying, trying to perpetuate this gift. And the Holy Spirit is no longer giving the gift of tongues today. So what is going on? What, what are they doing? They are trying to perpetuate this gift and they, they are literally going into in the same footsteps as the Corinthians. Uh, I've heard, now it's not, I'm not looking for it, but I've heard people speaking in tongues and there is no interpretation, none at all. And of course, first of all, there's no, no more speaking in tongues in this age. And yet, and secondarily, if they were speaking in tongues, like they were in biblical times, there were rules that Paul laid down in the church for them uh, if they were going to speak in tongues. Two or three. And the, at the most, in any given church service, only two or three people could stand up and speak in a tongue. And then, and that by course, not all at the same time, they would have to do it one at a time, and uh, and and then before the second one stood up, somebody would have to interpret what the first one said. So so the the gift was regulated. It was there was order put to it because of the confusion and the disorder that was going on in the Corinthian church. Paul laid these rules down. Now you think if people are vying for the fact that tongues exist today. Wouldn't they also adhere to the rules that were given when tongues were? No, but they don't. They don't. It is just a misuse, doing whatever they want to do, using, trying to use. And I don't even know, it's not even any, there's no tongues. That is not an, a language that is spoken. They are, there is no need for interpretation for a language that is gibberish. So it is, yes, they should be rebuked. It is foolishness, and it makes the church and all of us who are Christians look bad. It does. And they ought to be rebuked for, for their, be, their behavior. Actually, they, they stand rebuked because the rebuke is already in the scriptures for what they're doing. Point E, we're moving forward. We are often more concerned with the distribution of gifts 
than we are with having eyes to see God's motives through the transformation or transforming of our minds. What people should be focused on is learning the Father's plan. And, and once you learn the Father's plan, your eyes will be open to what, how you fit in or what God has enabled you to do or be in the church. So there's a process and there's, an, there's a natural order that, okay, you, you've been given a spiritual gift, yes. However, each one of us need to have, uh, be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we can exercise our spiritual gifts. So, But others are trying to put the cart before the horse. We know how damaging and terrible that is when it comes to salvation, if you put the cart before the horse. Same thing in the, in the spiritual life. If you try to live the spiritual life in the energy of the flesh and manufactured gifts and so forth, or what you think they're for, you will only make a mess of things, just like the Corinthians did. So that's where we are today. We need to make sure we need to stop whatever we're doing and focus our attention on uh, the renewing of our minds. Point E. We are often... Oh, that was point E. I'm sorry. Point F. <clears throat> A mind that is not renewed by trying, to, by trying to exercise spiritual gifts... It's like children playing dress-up and imagining what they will be when they grow up. Now, we've all seen the picture of a little kids putting on their mother's clothing or their, their hats or shoes. And, you know, they, they've got these big old baggy clothes on. It's, it's fun for children to do that. But in reality, we recognize they are children. And... If your mind is not renewed, you can't possibly know what spiritual gift you have. And, you know, it may be entertaining to watch children do that, but it is not entertaining to watch Christians try to put on sp what spiritual gifts are. It is a, they make a mess. Now, it would be one thing if we recognized this and saw it as, okay, this is a little bit of fun. But no, we're being judged. The church is being judged by how people respond to the Word of God. And who we are is based on what the Word says. And if they've neglected it... Now, here's a good example. Look at the Jews, right? Look at Israel. They made a mess. They failed miserably. And as a result, people don't see them as uh, how God... When He called them from eternity past, He saw that they would succeed in, in the call. But that's not until the tribulation. So, But how do people look at Jews now? Uh, Jews were separatists. They said, let's stay away from the Gentiles. Let's not even, if we have to travel, let's avoid Gentiles at every cost. When they were supposed to be, uh, the Gentiles were supposed to be the, the mission field for Israel. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So, if the mind is not renewed, exercising spiritual gifts is futile. You can't, you can't even know what it is you, your purpose. First of all, you don't know what your spiritual gift is, as we already noted. 
So, let's get back to our notes. We have different spiritual gifts, point number two, according to the grace given to each of us. So, point A is clear that the grace given to each of us is in the form of differing spiritual gifting. So, we shouldn't look at this verse. Uh, you know, when I talk about earlier in the... Uh, um, introduction about how this is confirming right it helps us know that we're on the right path where it talks about just this we all have a, uh, each of us has one body and many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us so we understand that Corinthians has a thing where it talks about Corinthians 12, that is, 1 Corinthians 12. Is, is that the whole body and eye? Is the whole body and ear? It is because they all lusted after certain gifts as at the cost of telling God what they wanted rather than allowing God to, to give them what the spiritual gift he wanted to give them. So... <clears throat> It is differing spiritual gifts. And notice it's called grace. Ephesians 4, 7, we've been reading that verse. Uh, let me just read it as well tonight. So it says, <clears throat> But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So when you read Ephesians chapter 4, you what you realize is about unity. You would think... Uh, Verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So all these things about unity are things that we all have in common. And that's, that's what's unique about this passage. Then he goes on to say, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. These are all things that we have as, as a badge of unity for all Christians. One God and Father of all, who is over all and, and through all and in all. Again, everybody has that. But then verse 7 comes along and says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So now, even though, yeah, we have all those things in common, we have this special grace given or apportioned to each of us. And that is it coincides with the verse that we're in, according to the grace given to each of us. We have differing gifts. So it helps us understand that. Point B. Spiritual gifts are not superpowers given to us to boost our egos. It is for us to contribute to the Father's eternal purpose in this world. So notice... Um, this is only, I'm not making up, you know, the arrogance of how people use spiritual gifts. I'm using what we have in the Word of God from the Corinthians and others who abused their spiritual gifts and never understood the Father's plan, so it looked messy. This is what we're trying to, they were manufacturing what they considered spiritual gifts and so forth. So, um, it's not a superpower. And it is an enablement. God is giving us ability that we don't have. And, and yet, 
we have to figure, wow, we could, we could really boost, our egos could really uh, ramp up because we now have special abilities. However, it is for us to contribute to the Father's eternal purpose. He didn't give us those gifts for us. He gave us those gifts to serve in the body. So let's just make sure we have, have it in a proper order and not, like it says, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Point C, I like the words grace and faith used for our specialized grace. And, and when it talks about according to the grace given to each of us, and we're going to get to the verse where it says, according, it says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. So notice grace and faith are used in the distribution and use of spiritual gifts. Now, grace means God is the one who sovereignly bestowed the gifts upon us. Faith means we have to look away from ourselves, what we think, how we think things should function, according to what God's will, purpose, and plan for us is. So it's not about us. And even if you see the, Paul the, the displaying spiritual gifts, he always recognizes that it's not him. It's God. Right? He says... To this end I work with all his power, which so powerfully works in me. His power, Paul, he's constantly acknowledging the fact that it's grace and faith. It's not of ourselves. So now we can talk about salvation, which is by grace through faith. And we we quickly, you know, remove ourselves from uh, any thought that we obtain salvation by our efforts. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Same thing when it comes to living the Christian way of life. God has given us special abilities, but that's by grace. We didn't earn it, and we certainly don't deserve any of uh, the spiritual gifts that we have. And we have to look away from ourselves, what we think, how we feel, what, what our motives are to God in order for the proper function of our spiritual gifts. So grace and faith are appropriate when we think about that. Point D, remember, if we allow God to use our presence in this world, for that we will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 5.10, which says, for we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us, may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. So that's an important scripture because, notice, if we allow God, so just because we have this enablement, we have to allow God to use our presence. Now, what, why does God give us spiritual gifts? Because we're in the world. We're here. We have, a, we have an opportunity to impact this world. So if we allow God to use us, in the world for his purposes and if not everybody does as a Christian remember we said a Christian life is optional if we allow God to use us then God will reward each one of us who do it's just like when we saw Christ Christ came into the world and he allowed the father to use him it was like it says in second uh, Corinthians 5 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their sins against them. 
So who is in Christ? It's God. God the Father was in Christ. And Christ said it. He says, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And Philip says, show us the Father. He says, haven't I been with you this long? And you haven't, you don't know me, Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? The Father is right here doing the work right now. So in that sense, Christ yielded his life to the Father. He gave up the right to live his life, to go to college, to be whatever he wanted to be, to pursue his own ambitions and all his dreams to fulfill. He gave up that right. And he chose to allow the Father to occupy his life. And to we call that mutual possession. And he, the Father was able to fully possess Christ. Christ, there's one point where he even says, even the words I speak are not my own. It is, they are the Father's words who is in me. So everything he, he was about, everything he taught, the, pre, the literal presence of Christ was able to be used by the Father. And that's why we have uh, this scripture in Philippians chapter 2, when it says, because of that, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that was above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess, uh, and so and so, to the glory of God the Father. The glory of God the Father. Why? Because it was the Father in Christ. Christ couldn't even claim that I did all of this. I did it. No, it was the Father's plan that he submit himself to Christ. What was Christ's attitude? He says, just like in John 14, 31, he says, I love the Father. And I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. So he was completely submitted to the Father's will. So that's important for us to note. Um, this is point, we're, we're, that was point D. Same thought Paul said, I'll give this one more scripture, which is in Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, but and I no longer live. So what if Paul was... The one writing to us. He was alive. He's not saying he's dead. He's saying that the life he lives in the flesh, in the body, he lives by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul, he was a Pharisee. And for him to say he's dead, he's no longer, or he's separated from that life, he is no longer that anymore. The life he now has is lived by the mind of Christ. So that, that's the thought. So point E, each of us, so none of us are insignificant in God's sight. None of us. And it is interesting to discover God's sovereignty in the gifts. And what goes with that is point F. Don't forget God's irony in blessing Paul, or Saul, the Pharisee, with the apostolic gift in the church. So... We got this thought that, oh, we know what the gifts are. We know we can pick, we just pick whichever one we want and then we'll be satisfied because we chose the one we, that's not how it works. And when the, when Saul was on the Damascus road, he, headed there to round up more Christians and God, Lord Jesus Christ met him on that, on that road and that's when Paul believed. He saw, or I keep saying Paul, but really Saul. He was a Pharisee. That's when he believed in Christ. And he was also given at that time 
the apostolic gift. Now, who would have thought? None of us. I would not have, no one would have picked Saul, the Pharisee, to be an apostle in the church. I know I wouldn't. I would say, okay, well, there's lots of choices, but that one who was murdering Christians, who was out there actively fighting, Christ had to say to Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He had to say that to him. I mean, it was he was literally the, the enemy. And yet, when Paul turned to believe in Christ, he received the one of the highest gifts in the church. He was an apostle. So we can't, Paul would, he would have never guessed, oh, you're not only am I going to be a believer, but I'm going to have the gift of apostleship. I'm not, he would have never thought that. And neither would we. So this is why I'm saying there's some irony here. We can't imagine. You think, oh, oh yeah, well, we know what spiritual gifts we want and we know what ones are available. We can't know what God's going to do. So first, the first thing's first. We, we need to have our minds transformed by that renewing that we've been talking about. And don't think because you're good in, let's say you're, you're good in, with finances, so now you're going to be the treasurer. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work. God is the one who distributes the gifts according to how he wills. And it's not according to what our abilities are because it's grace. It's special. It's not about us. God has bestowed this on us. He has blessed us with these things. And yeah, we are responsible to God. So, um, so we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophet, this is point number three now. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Okay, so let's dig into this last phrase. And we won't get through it, but that's okay. Point A. We are given some examples to make the point. This is not an exhaustive listing of gifts. So he's going to give some gifts. And he, the first one he mentions is prophesying. We'll, we'll get into that. But the note, it, it, as you read through the different gifts here, that's not exhaustive. He's just giving you an example here. That's all. Just make sure you don't just... And this is what people have done. They've added up, oh, how many gifts are there in uh, Corinthians? Oh, let's, let's add them up. Let's add, oh, there's some, some mentioned here in, in Romans. Let's add those up too. And there's mention here of other ones. Let's add those. Okay, so the total number of gifts there are, and then they just give you a number. That's not correct. Not correct at all. God the Holy Spirit is free to give whatever he needs to give. And we may not have all the gifts. It's a supernatural. Just like right now, you don't know all the functions in your body, which is the metaphor used. You can't know all those functions. Some of them operate without your knowledge. Thank God, because we, we wouldn't be alive if some of those uh, functions in the body were not operative. So, so it is with the spiritual body. We can't know all that it takes for for God to be able to function in this world through us. We can't know that. So, but God the Holy Spirit does. And we depend on him for his uh, wisdom. Point B, where it says, if your gift, right? So this thought, if your gift, God gives the gifts. And it is still, up. It, but it is up to us to identify and use them 
through the renewing of our minds according to the Father's plan. Uh, so a couple thoughts here. Uh, even though we have these spiritual gifts, it is not, until, until we learn what the purpose is, we're not cognizant of those abilities. And even if some of those abilities may have some uh, uh, manifesting in us, even as children, maybe maybe some of the gifts manifest in us earlier, <clears throat> then the way we would want to say that is, even if you, you are able to exercise a spiritual gift, you are not able to use it properly. You will not understand how to use it properly if you don't have your mind renewed. That's the thought. It has to be according to the Father's plan or else it is according to your plan, what you think the best use of your spiritual gift is, and that's wrong. Point C, once your gift is identified, the, the verse says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy, then do it, go get to it, right? So, um, once your gift is identified, then, okay, prophesy. <clears throat> so, why would we need to be told to perform our gifting? Why would we need to... If he's saying, okay, if your gift is this, do it. If your gift is that, do it. Why would we need to be told to perform our gifting? It doesn't... Well, first of all, it doesn't work automatically. It just doesn't work that way. And, and I have here, because it takes courage and submission to the Spirit on our part. So if we, and I have a John 15, 18, and 19 for that. But the thought is, it does take courage. Just like even what we read before, do not be conformed to the standard of this world. Stop. Right? So whatever your gift is, it's not going to be something where we're going to find identification in the world. John 15, 18, 19 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but, you have, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. So we're not part of the system. We're part of the Father's plan. And the understanding of it is helpful for us to know uh, how, what our place is, how we fit into the world in, with respect to the Father's plan, not fit into the world down here. Right? So a lot of people think the Christian way of life is, um, I got my own plans, God. And all I'm asking you to do is bless me in them. You know, do, be, be my God and I'll do what I want to do and you just help me when I need help. Uh, if, I, if, I get it, if I get stuck, I'm going to pray for you. If I, if I run aground, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you for help to bless me. But that's not it at all. In the world is not something that, as a believer, God has literally chosen us out of the world. The moment we believed in Christ, we were identified with him in his death, which the death means we are, we are also separated from the world. So that's important for us to note because 
um, when we start talking about using the use of our gifts, it cannot be according to some special niche we have in this world. Uh, how we're going to feel right at home doing whatever job. I know I used to talk about it. I, I, we would say, if you find a job that you love, then you won't have to work another day in your life. We would say things like that. And people would kind of look at trying to match that and find that balance where they, they're doing what they love in this world, and yet they're working hard and have passion about it, but really uh, they don't feel like they're working because the energy is provided by their own passion and, and want to do it. So, so that's not it at all, right? That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual gifts. We got to learn who we are in Christ before we're able to figure out what our spiritual gift is. Uh, and I say it takes courage. Even after you know it, it takes courage to step out and to be different in this world. The world will hate you, just like Jesus said, because anybody who seeks to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That is, that is it. If Christ walked in this earth and he suffered, so will we. It is very common. So point number D, and we're going to close after this thought. We're going to get into prophesying, right? Because he says, if your gift is prophecy, prophesying, I have to talk about what that is. And here's a definition in point D, a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and de uh, declaring the purposes of God, right? Notice, declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving or admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted, or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. So there's the, the prophecy, and let me just, you can read the rest of it. There's not much. But the thought here is prophesying is given in two ways. One is for God to give us, and we call it foretelling in theology. They have coined these terms. You won't find them in the Word foretelling and forth telling so foretelling means you're telling of future events that have not happened yet so that's point e prophecy is not only telling of future events when it was used for the revelation of future events god literally revealing things that are in the future it was not gratuitous it is for god's purposes and that that's the thought right people said well tell me what's going to happen tell do a trick for me can you, can you, like when Herod uh, learned that Pilate had Jesus, and Pilate sent him over to Herod, and Herod says, okay, great, do some tricks for me. And Jesus didn't do anything. He wouldn't do anything for, for Herod. He, Herod looked at it like, he was a, like it was a show or some sort of uh, magical act, and it was nothing of that sort at all. So it, it is, if God does give us, Future events. It's not just, hey, well, I'm just, by the way, let me tell you, this nation is going to do that. And hey, all of the things that he's telling us are relevant to the Father's plan. It is not some, just, oh, I'm telling you this for no good reason. I'm telling you this because it's pertinent to what I need you to know as far as the completeness of your revelation from me. What you need, God is saying. So when, it, when, it, when God does use prophecy for foretelling, 
telling things before they happened. It is not gratuitous. Again, it is used for the Father's eternal purpose. But then prophecy, point F, prophecy is also expounding an illumination of established scriptures or foretelling. Some, now, we, you need God the Holy Spirit in order to be able to do that as well. Right? So it's just like we saw in 1 Corinthians, no, 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 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaking the very words of God. How are we going to do that? Only by the, uh, by the filling of the Spirit, by the power, the influence of the Spirit. Can we forth tell the Scripture? In other words, that means providing illumination of those Scriptures given by inspiration. So we're going to have to go into, we're going to pause here because we're, this part may take a moment and it does go into some thoughts on the purpose of spiritual gifting. It goes into temporary and permanent spiritual gifts, which is very controversial, and not for us, but for the world. They don't want to uh, acknowledge that some gifts are temporary. So we're going to talk about that next week, though. Uh, we'll give it. We'll take our time because it is important, especially when you see the flamboyant use of gifts all around you, all over the place, gifts that have ceased, and you have to wonder, wait a minute, I thought I thought these gifts ceased. So you need to be able to put that in context. So we will talk about that more next time uh, we meet. How, what gifts are temporary, and why they are temporary? Does it make sense? Are we just being restrictive and saying, oh, we don't like certain gifts, so uh, we're restricting them? No, no, no. I'm going to show you in the Word why those gifts ceased. And then once we do that, then you can weigh in on what you think it means or why is that, does that make spirit, is that spiritually logical that God would have caused that? And we have evidence in the Word, so I don't, I don't feel like we stand on shaky ground, although you would think so when by looking at how the world is managing this. But we'll get into that next week in more detail. So at this point, we'll pause to see if there are any questions, any thoughts out there, uh, anything anybody wants to raise. Uh, we'll, we'll pause. The floor is open. Can you explain, did you finish with the foretelling said definitions? You said those would not be in, we wouldn't be able to find those definitions. They're, they're yes. kind of theological. Yes. School. So foretelling and what Yeah, theology has coined uh, these two words, foretelling, F-O-R-E, telling, and forthtelling, F-O-R-T-H, telling. To help under, help us understand what prophecy is, or what is it what it means to prophesy. So it is not only um, foretelling is where God has given the gift to a prophet, and He has told him what would happen. Like the Apostle John received revelation, and he wrote it in the book. Right. So we have the Book of Revelation, which is a book about things that are yet to come. And there were other prophets besides John who would tell things, uh, you know, and, and give admonition about 
you know, told like the Agabus told the Apostle Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Uh, if he did, there would be this happening and that happened. He would be bound and so forth. And sure enough, that's what happened. Paul was stubborn and he went anyway. But but this so this is God has given that gift to tell of future events, and it's all under the umbrella of what we call prophecy. But then there were other times when people are just expounding on the word. You could say what I'm doing right now is prophesying. I'm expounding or expanding or illuminating what the word says. So all of it has to be by the power of the spirit. It is not my power, it's God the spirit who is able to cause us to prophesy. So we can still use prophecy, but what we're going to learn next week is prophecy is a temporary spiritual gift. The part of it that's temporary is the foretelling. Right? Why would God stop telling all future events? Is is it just to wow people? No, it is because he needed to unfold those events. And but wh- why is he stopping doing that? It's because he's told them already, and they're committed to writing. So we don't—he doesn't need to tell them over and over again. He's already told them, and now it is our job to just expand on them, right? To to illuminate them. So that that would be the thought. And theology has done that. We have just like when we say Trinity. Well, where do we get Trinity? It's not in the Bible. Well, it's a theological term. It's a way we can understand what God has told us in the Bible. It's a simple way. We use them all. We use metaphors and ways of, of speech to do that. And so, so in theology, they do the same. Yeah. Other thoughts out there? I guess this is uh, for next week, uh, for sure. Uh, we were in the beginning uh, talking about tongues and their yeah. use in the church, and um, so when you talk about these gifts that are temporary and will cease, I turned over here to where it says it, and of course that's First Corinthians thirteen eight. And uh, what I was wondering about is it says. Uh, and where there are tongues, they will be stilled. This is the NIV. Yeah. Is that still a good translation, or is they will be stilled? Yeah, I mean they will come to a, they will come to a stop, right? So there's other ways. Let's see. Let's look at what does ESV look at that verse? Uh, they will cease. Um, how about the uh, God's Word translation? Uh, they will stop. It will stop by itself. Um, The NET Bible says they will cease. I know the King James says it will cease. What does we say? Whether there are utterances given by the person consisting of divine revelation as received, they shall cease. They shall stop. So that would be a pretty good translation of what is said there. Yeah. Yeah, when, when I think about it still, I mean... It doesn't move anymore. I mean, it's it's it stops. So, stillness and cease certainly are similar, very similar. Yeah, I mean, just imagine a ball. If you took it and rolled it, and at some point, it would stop rolling. It would just stop. 
Right? So the, and the ball, the person rolling the bowl, ball is God, the Holy Spirit. So he's in control. And he will give the gift of tongues as long as needed. And when it is not needed anymore, it will automatically stop. And as we understand what happens with the gift of tongues next week, we'll, we'll have to address it. Because if I'm going to talk about these spiritual gifts, I have to say, uh, that there are temporary and there are those that are permanent. We need to we need to say that because the Bible says that. Why, if we're going to talk about the gifting and spiritual gifts, we wouldn't want people to be deceived in thinking that oh, I could I could just pick whatever spiritual gift I want. That's not it at all. So we're going to understand the use of the spiritual gifts and their purpose. So we're not going to. It's not hard. We'll, I think if we didn't have scriptures to do this, well, we would be going out on a limb. But the fact that we do have scriptures, if it says that uh, um, if there is going to be prophecy, it will fail. It won't mean a prophecy. Let me, let me just uh, get to NIV here. So it says love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So all of those things are temporary. Now, how, how do I know? It is borne out in the next couple verses. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. What we know is temporary. It's not the full. And we prophesy. Now, not knowledge and prophecy are in part or temporary. That's what he's just telling us in verse nine. Uh, there, we don't have the fullness of knowledge, of uh, prophecy, or, and knowledge is a spiritual gift, by the way. And just so I, you know, I've talked to people and they say, "Well, do we still know things?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Well, do you know things?" I said, "Yeah, I know things." They said, see, well, that's, that means knowledge is still here. <laughs> that's not the gift of knowledge. They're just talking about knowledge in general. And they're trying to wiggle out of what the verse is actually trying to teach. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, you see where he's naming gifts. He, he uses the gift of knowledge. It was a spiritual gift. It's not just general knowledge. I mean, it's just some of the things that you may encounter out there. But... So when it says we know in part and we prophesy in part, that's temporary. That's temporary. But when the completeness comes, what is in part does what? Disappears. It won't be needed anymore, right? And I use the example, and we'll get it next week, of training wheels. Right? When you were a child, you put training wheels on your, your first bike because... There was a purpose in those training wheels because they needed to teach you how to maintain your balance and you could teach you how to ride a bicycle. But after you get older, you if you see an older person riding around with training wheels, that doesn't make any sense. They're supposed to have learned how to ride the bicycle now. We could take the training wheels off. We don't need the training wheels anymore. So that's only for when you're learning, right? Just, just a thought. Uh, in the way of how spiritual, temporary spiritual gifts are used. And we'll get to more. Like I said, we'll cover it and we'll have more time and cover it in more detail next week. All right. Other thoughts out there?
All right. So we're going to conclude. Say again. No. So we're going to conclude at this point. We're going to have a word of prayer, and we will. We will. Let's let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity we've had uh, this evening to share your word, to focus our attention on your thoughts. We thank you for the wisdom that's provided to us in your word and that we can look at these things in more detail as we focus our attention on what spiritual gifts will enable us to be in your new creation. We thank you for those who have joined. And Father, we continue to pray for the families mentioned earlier. And we ask, we hold those up, them up before you, Father, for your healing, for your comfort and well-being. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.